Hi, everybody. This is A. Martinez, and lucky for all of us, you're listening to Pam and Dawn. Hello, and welcome to Christmas Movie Spotlight. I am your host, Dawn Mack, and I am here with my wonderful friend and co-host, Pam. Hey, Pam. Hi, Dawn. Hi, everybody. Glad to be here. Yay, yay, yay. Can you tell it's getting closer to Christmas? Now I'm starting to feel it. <laughs> I'm really like, I'm not sure. I, I kind of want to say, where is Pam and what have you done with her? Because kind of feeling like that a little bit. But, um, but in any event, we are very happy and excited to be here for the special edition of Christmas Movie Spotlight tonight. And boy, have we got a great show lined up. Um, we recently had the opportunity to sit down and chat with A. Martinez. Do I need to say more? And it was amazing. <laughs> and he was adorable. <laughs> no, it, it was, it, you know, all kidding aside, it was it was a great interview, and he was, I mean, in the short amount of time that we spoke to him, it felt like we talked a lot longer because we packed so much in. And Pam, you'd followed a a lot longer than I had, um, due to his background in soaps and so forth. So, um, I, I know for you, it was especially a, a great treat. It sure was. I've watched him for years. He's He's been on General Hospital. He's been on One Life to Live. He's been on uh, Santa Barbara. Uh, gosh, what else? The Bold and the Beautiful, Days of Our Lives. <laughs> I think he pretty much hit all the soaps you know, of recent years and then some. So, yes, this was most definitely a treat for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, it's definitely going to be a treat for all of you as well as we bring you our interview with special guest, A. Martinez. Enjoy the show. And thanks again for calling in. Um, we truly, truly appreciate you taking the time to spend with us. We know you're very busy. Um, yeah. But we'd, we'd love to hear what or who inspired you to be an actor. Well, that's a really good question. Um, you know, I uh, I was uh, I was a singer as a kid. My whole family sang. My dad was a teacher, and he would bring home the auto harp from school sometimes, and we would um, sing together in the family. And uh, and I I really loved singing, so I ended up becoming a member of the um, of the glee club and then the choir when I was in junior high school. And we happened to have uh, a wonderful teacher by the name of Ruth Anderson. She actually passed on about four years ago, and we were lifelong friends. But as a as a young kid, um, she did me and all of my classmates the service of um, petitioning the principal. We had a really um, wonderful principal who was willing to take chances and stuff. And she said to him, "Why why don't you let me?" put on abbreviated versions of musical plays, you know, the best things that have been on Broadway uh, in the last few years. Because she was a professional musician, and she actually could could uh, do things on a really high level. And the guy who was was teaching our, our uh, orchestra, the band class, he was very good too, Mr. Hayes, Jim Hayes. So between Jim Hayes and Ruth Anderson, uh, our, our little Mount Gleason Junior High School put on wonderful shows 
the King and I, HMS Pinafore, and West Side Story in the um, three years that I was in there. And so that exposed me to acting. And it, it just put a hook in me, the, the, uh, the pleasure of it. I remember the first night where we finished a show and the ritual that you always do at the end of a show is you strike the set. Everyone gathers to tear the set down. And I had this amazingly um, powerful moment of revelation where I thought, this is almost unendurable, the idea that this is over with and the group of us is not going to gather next week, tomorrow even, to do this again. We're done. There's been such a deep bonding that had happened among this group of people that had worked together on the show. And, and the abandonment of it was so bittersweet and poignant that it just created an appetite in me to go there again. I thought this is what I want to do. I want to be, I want to be connected with people in a way that feels this important. And uh, and it it never has gone away. It's still to this day that the great thing about doing this work is the the connection you make with the other humans who join with you to do it. The 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 closeness of our cast in um, Christmas on the Range. It's just, you know, we were as close as any cast I've ever been around, and we really weren't working on it all that long, but the process of actually working out the scenes and working with Gary Wheeler, who was such a great director, we all just bonded um, profoundly in a hurry and have become friends for life, I've no doubt. So that's how it started, and that's how it continues for me. Well, that's a wonderful story. I know that when you you know are with somebody, whether it be doing Broadway or a TV series or even a movie, you spend so much time with everybody that you all become family. It's really true, and and there's a special um, bonding mechanism that happens when you're not only spending that time, but you're under pressure. You know, it's like um, one of the things that that I think is. It, well, it, it depends on who you talk to. A lot of people um, uh, ask me about what, what it's like to, um, to have to learn lines and stuff, how hard that is. But the truth of it is the hardest thing about doing the work is, is making all the decisions about how you're going to handle all the material, what you're actually going to try to say beneath the words. There's, um, there's a lot of... Uh, of heavy-duty thinking that goes into it. And, of course, you know, it's not the kind of job where you can ever call in sick. You have to you have to, to toe the line and show up and have your uh, your castmates back through the entire process. So by the time you're done with it, you feel like you've been forged um, as friends in a, in a certain um, cauldron of pressure. And it's, it's, it's not unpleasant at all, but it's, it's very intense. And I think that's one of the reasons that you just don't um, you just don't let go of the sense of connection uh, easily. Yeah, I can totally understand that. Now, at this uh, point in your life, you've acted, directed, produced, written, and composed. So, with all that knowledge and experience, if someone handed you a blank check, what would you create? That's a great question. Thank you. Well, I I actually. Um, I actually have created a show, actually, and I've actually been able to pitch it, and I'm waiting to hear back from the people I pitched it to, people that I would hope would become my um, 
allies in that and help me write it because one person can't write a show. I wrote a pilot and and the second episode of it, and I have um, currently putting together the, um, the the overview document that explains the path the show would take through its seasons and what would happen in the end of it. Um, I worked on it for three years, and um, although no one's writing me that check, the, the experience of, of doing it has been incredibly um, edifying. Uh, and, and, and it's part of what how you, how you frame it by saying, you know, after all these years and all this experience, you know, what what is supposed to come next. And that's how it feels. It feels like when you become an elder that your um, duty almost is to share what it is you've learned, which is something that actors can't necessarily do because they're they're sharing stories that that they did not create so i figure at this point in time if not now when am i going to you know say what what i have to say and um and that's what i've been devoting the last three years to and what i'm currently waiting to hear back about it's a very exciting time in that regard well congratulations we're ecstatic to hear this could you give us a clue is it a comedy? What is it? <laughs> Anything? No, a little not, bit? Uh, yes, it, oh, yes, yeah. I realized I didn't answer that question at all. <laughs> the core of the question. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a drama. It's character-driven. It's about redemption. It's about a father who has made a terrible mistake trying to um, atone for it before he, uh, before he finishes his life. And... Um, and it's it's set against the um, the uh, background of people that are working hard to try to um, ameliorate um, the heating of the planet. People that are um, really active in the fight to preserve the ecosystems as they begin to falter, and um, it has a light touch. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's elements to it that are mystical. There are things about it that are actually pretty inexplicable. Um, and I purposely uh, designed it to be that way, to be the kind of thing that leaves you uh, swimming in the realm of questions for the longest time, you know, not being in a hurry to provide answers, to provide tantalizing, provocative questions in an entertaining um, frame so that people will be um, hopefully uh, intrigued and want to want to find out what's going on with it, and and you know I I really my my manager with whom I have been uh, allied for 20 years, I think he originally signed me actually on the strength of uh, my writing, um, but he he's always complained that I when I write I don't really usually write myself a great part, I tend to write. Um, more about communities than about individual, you know, star turns and stuff like that. So I went out of my way to make sure that at least in the pilot, I wrote myself a great part. And he was so thrilled to know that I finally taken it uh-huh. advice after chapter 20. <laughs> All I got to do is do what you tell me and then you really like it. You know? That's right. That's right. <laughs> Yeah. Well, what has what has been one thing that you have learned about yourself as an actor? Well, um, 
I've learned that uh, it's possible to get better with time. It's one of the tremendous graces of, of the path. You know, if you're an athlete, you're going to hit your peak fairly early in your life. But if you're an actor, I mean, there's certainly things that things I can't do physically that I once could do. But in terms of being able to um, illustrate the human condition and and figure out what's the most important um, thread in any any given um, sequence, I've gotten better at that as experience, and it's it's really um, nice to know that you know it's like I find in, I find that I, I I can think of a way through things that is um, not necessarily the thing that's going to be thought of by most actors. I think sometimes it actually causes me not to get cast as often as I'd wish. I do a lot of auditions that take a sort of um, unique slant to the process. And a lot of people, a lot of times people seem to really appreciate the creativity of it, but end up giving the part to somebody else. I've noticed that quite a bit. But I feel good about it, you know, because because in the long in the long run, the way you conduct a career is you just maintain that reputation in the industry as someone who is not going to waste your time if you give him an audition. And I think I know that the casting people are under tremendous pressure to, to deliver actors' auditions that are um, compelling and give a producer a nice kind of array of choices to to look at and I always try to make sure that I show up whenever I get granted access to one of those casting rooms I always try to show up and do something that's memorable and I think as I've gotten further along in the journey I do a better job of that I have I hardly ever have an audition now where I walk away going gosh I didn't know to do what I intended that was too bad now I, I usually do what I intend whether I get the part or not so that, that feels good that's good. That's really good. Yeah. Now, yeah. you um, you you mentioned earlier that you you had a musical background growing up, and as a young right. child. And I had read that in your earliest days, um, you won a talent competition at the Hollywood Bowl when right. you were about twelve years old. And so, have you ever considered releasing an album? And if so, what genre of music would you pursue? Well, you know, I actually did release an album. It was probably in, um, oh gosh, when was that? It was probably, probably 95 or 96. It's called Fragrance and Thorn as like attributes of a rose. Uh-huh. And, um, and it's like, uh, I think, I think it's most likely described as, um, it's in the realm of, uh, LA country rock. Uh, kind of in the the mold of say Jackson Brown and Little Feet. Um, oh yeah, yeah. The the L.A. country thing that where harmonies, you know, harmony singing is really important, and melody is really important, and the lyrics are really important. And um, yeah, I worked on that uh, with a producer named Gary Grant, a great uh, trumpet player and producer and and I spent a couple of years working on that actually wrote uh, 20 songs for it and 10 of them made the record and it's you know it, it sold pretty decently especially in Europe but when it came time to actually um, I got offered the chance to, to go and do a tour behind it and I 
I didn't really want to start living the life of the road, the, the musician on the road, which especially nowadays is like really what you have to do if you're going to have a career. You have to go on the road. And I always wanted to stay closer to home. You know, I had little kids, and, you know, I never really had a great appetite for being away from my family for a long time. I mean, I have gone away to do things, but the idea of starting to um, commit to that kind of life was not, as it wasn't important enough to me to do it. I, I was thankful that, you know, some people got to see it. You know, people still find it on eBay or something, or, you know, the, a friend, a person who runs a, a fan site for me in Germany um, posts a, has posted a lot of the songs, and so it's out there for people to see. And it was a, a great experience, and I really love it when all these years later people will actually sometimes um, say something about the songs, a specific song that they cared about, and you know, quote my own lyrics back to me. It's really quite a thrill, actually. Um, and, you know, my, my whole family uh, plays music. Uh, my wife and my son and my daughter-in-law all sing in this band called uh, The New Old with this wonderful musician named Lenny Goldsmith who used to be in Tower of Power. And they mm -hmm. make records, and they, they're gigging around L.A. They, they probably work. Um, well, they certainly are playing once a week around L.A. And then my, my youngest daughter, Ren Farron, um, is, you know, in 2017, one of her songs was was ranked by Billboard as one of the top 25 rock songs of the year. So wow. there's a lot of music in the family, and it definitely comes down from, you know, the fact that it was important to me, and I and it was important to me because it was important to my father, you know. Um, mm, yeah. it, it's something we've passed down. Yeah, I, you know, I have a musical family on both sides my mother's side and my father's side but somehow it just skipped me because you don't want to hear me singing <laughs> <laughs> well i've always believed and i want to say i've always believed this you know i have a friend named Tom actually who who had that opinion you know people have been telling him all his life well we don't want to hear you singing and he basically, he finally decided he was going to, like, defy that, and he actually went into, like, uh, a situation where he could start to actually go to school to sing, you know, learn to sing, you know, by going to school. By doing that, you know, he sort of sort of got got his confidence and, and learned what it is to, like, how to, you know, be singing a pitch and stuff. I mean, I appreciate your modesty by saying that, but, I, you know, I think it's there for people to discover if they want to, and I always encourage people to sing no matter what, what people say about them. It's like when you go, there's a, you know, that TV show So You Think You Can Dance, is that the name of it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, you know, come on now, don't don't tell people So You Think You Can Dance. It's like, you know, people you know, dancing is one of the great human means of expressing joy. I hate it when people try to like uh, step on other people by saying you just don't measure up to the, what's considered the norm or something like that. You'll see, now I'm going off on some tangent of a rant here over there. But, <laughs> but, but it, it's always bothersome. You know, it's like you go, you listen to the early days of, uh, what's that, um, um, American Idol, and uh, Randy's going, hey, it's a little pitchy, dog. It's a little pitchy, you know. I'm thinking, you know, I've heard the greatest singers in the world occasionally on a, you know, on a difficult night in a 
when they were tired, you know, hit a note that mm-hmm. wasn't perfectly in, in, in tune. And it's like, so what? It just, you know, reminds mm-hmm. us that they're human and you still get the the good feeling at the end of it, you know. I think if I actually was, you know, if I, if I actually like added up all the notes that I wished I could have hit better but didn't quite make it, I would, you know, like throw my hands up in horror. But you yeah. just learn to forgive yourself after a while. <laughs> <You know. laughs> well, I'll stick with the car karaoke, and you, and I have to be by myself because my family doesn't want to hear it. <laughs> so, <laughs> but. You know, as long as you're singing from the, your heart and, and that song means something to you in particular, which is what happens with a lot of songs, then I say go for it. Yeah, yeah, me too. Well, I've enjoyed you on my soap operas, which you've been on a few, TV series mm, and movies. Yeah. But there's yeah. one movie that sticks out to me that I watch every time it's on because it not only makes me laugh, but I also root for the wife who's been kicked in the teeth. And yeah. also because I love your role of playing against Meryl Streep. Do you know what yeah, movie that I'm sure. talking about? Uh, I do know. Yes. Yeah. You know, I tell you, I, I, um, I still, whenever I'm feeling blue, if I, if I ever just go, well, you know, it did work with Meryl Streep and I snuck into the theater when it, was released and sat there in the back of a giant room in Westwood and, and, and watched my character get every single one of his laughs. So I thought, okay, you worked with your hero and you didn't let her down. So you you know, you can hold you can take nobody can ever take that away from you even if you take right? that job for the last you did good for Mill Street, you know. Um, yeah, it was such a dream to do that. It was such a fun movie. I just love your comedic side. Uh, you know, we don't see that very often. Um, mm. And it's just, you you wowed me over. Um, so definitely, you were perfect for that part. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that very much. You're welcome. Yeah, years, and I, years before, I had, I'd had, a, I'd had a, an, uh, an audition for this movie, Silkwood, that she did. And it, it, we just, we sort of followed up between my agent and me. We, the author, actually, the author to do it didn't come until six weeks after the audition. And we had, uh, I had, I'd chosen to allow myself to be put under contract on a hold basis for ABC to do a, a, a miniseries based on a book I loved called Hanta Yo, playing this uh, beautiful uh, character called Ableza. Uh, I wanted to play him so bad. And then by the time we came down to actually do the screen test, I realized they're not even considering me for him anymore. They want me to play the bad guy. And, you know, rather than just cut bait, I thought, well, I should still be a part of this. And I, I hung on and hung on and hung on and did the audition on a Friday. And then you, when you sign when you sign a screen test audition, you give that company 72 hours to decide, your, you know, whether they're going to give you the part or not. So they control your destiny for those 72 hours. And it just so happened that that was the day that, uh, Mike Nichols, the great director, called to like you know offer me the part in uh, in Silkwood with Meryl Streep, and and my agent instead of saying, well, we, we he's out of town, we'll call you back on Tuesday, he just like said, well, he's not available, you waited too long and stuff, and, and oh like, my Mike gosh, just, uh. just threw up his hands like, oh, I get it, so you'd rather do another TV show rather than work with me and Meryl Streep? Nice talking to you, and you know I thought <laughs> that was my chance. Mm. 
to, to she's the best actor who ever drew breath in my opinion. So the idea that I lost my chance to work with her really made me sad. And then to get a reprieve and actually get to do She Devil with her, where I had a, a you know a better part and it was funny and you know Roseanne was brilliant in it and Ed Bagley. I mean, I it was a great experience, and I you know I'll never forget it. Well, speaking of uh, I'm here. Speaking okay. of movies, we were excited to learn you are starring in the holiday movie, which you mentioned at the top of the interview, um, Christmas on the Range. And yeah. without giving too much away, because we're looking forward to seeing this, can you share a little bit about your character and what the movie is about? Well, I'd be glad to. I sure do love this movie. I mean, um, in all honesty, I've seen it twice now, and I, I can barely get through it once it really kicks into the uh, last act. I mean, it's just so um, incredibly poignant emotionally. I basically play a character that, in the shorthand, you would say he's he's Ebenezer Scrooge. You know, he he he's like in the prototype of the Christmas Carol, the Dickens story, and and he has, you know, as his son says. There's no one I know who could use more, uh, Christmas spirit more than you, Dad. Um, he's just a guy who's uh, mean. He just seems so mean, and you don't really understand why he's so mean. He's rich, and um, and he's fallen ill, and he's really lonesome. And it's and the reason he's lonesome is because he's so mean. And it's not until. Lindsay Wagner, who plays his ex-wife, explains what happened to him, that you start to understand why he is the way he is. Um, Aaron Cahill and Nicholas Gonzalez. Nicholas plays my son, and Aaron plays the daughter of a man who used to be my friend and was also a rival of mine. We're ranchers. My ranch is adjacent to hers, and I'm trying to Um, buy her out. I want to take her ranch from her. She's trying to do this wonderful um, process of uh, being the first organic uh, rancher in the whole valley. And rather than applaud her insight and her, you know, gumption, I just mock her and want to take that ranch. And I'll do just about anything to get that ranch from her. So you watch the guy just behave so poorly and as I say, he's just mean, and and the process of the of the story is to watch um, my character's son try to help her, and to watch what sparks between the two of them. And they are just brilliant actors. And, and Nicholas is on the Good Doctor, you know, and he's he's a massively great great actor. He played my son once before in one of the most beautiful uh, stories I've ever done on TV. And, you know, so I love him. He's not only a wonderful actor, he's just one of the smartest guys who ever um, became a member of the Screen Actors Guild, in my opinion. And then Aaron Cahill is uh, a pure light, just brilliant choices, um, person who literally um, makes you feel better about the way the world is because of her her sense of kindness and generosity blended with a wonderful, wonderful acting technique. And then Lindsay Wagner... I remember um, when I when I finally got the part and they booked me, my agent said, you know, I'm thinking of pitching Lindsay to them, but they don't have enough money to pay her. And I, I thought, well, that would be a dream. I said to him, 
And once the um, once the, he actually mentioned her name to them, they decided they were going to go find the money, and they they did hire her. And she was just astonishing. And when she starts to tell the story of why my character is what he is, you know, there's a lump just rises up in my throat, even though I read the thing and I acted and I know mm-hmm. all this stuff by heart. <laughs> but the lump just rises up and sits up in my throat, and it does not go away until the movie's over, like 20 minutes later. She's just brilliant. And beyond being brilliant, she she gave me uh, several, like say two or three, I'm starting to forget now, but gave me tips, you know, ideas about what I might do in a certain scene to, to make her job more fluid, to like let her path through the scene be more intuitive for her. And, and, in, and in so doing, she gave me ideas about how to play things that made my path through the thing easier as well. You know, that kind of thing where where your colleague is sort of functioning as a second director, is helping you see things that you normally wouldn't have seen that actually make everybody's job easier. And when everybody's job easier is easier, everybody does better. And she did that for me with the most uh, delicate, sensitive touch, you know, not at all casting any kind of judgment, negative judgment on the choices that I was originally bringing but just said, you know, all things being equal, you know, you could do it this way. And if you do it, could do it this way, then I could have a moment that would feel like this. And then you might have a moment that would respond to that, that would feel like that, you know, and you kind of go, oh, wow, that's, mm-hmm. that's beautifully attractive. You know, this is <laughs> wonderful, free advice offered with a great gentle touch. So, you know, she's, she's a hero of mine forever after that. Well, wow. actually thinking of ways we might work together in the future. You know, this the story sounds amazing. The cast is phenomenal. I, you know, I just can't wait to see it. And I know Don feels the same way. Um, and mm. and in a way, Don's probably giggling in the background because she knows that <laughs> she knows I'm the bah humbug person. So Scrooge is like you know, right up my alley. So <laughs> I was, when you said, when you said the character was like a Scrooge like character, I was like, Oh, this is going to be Pam's movie. I can feel it. So. Christmas. It's just that Dawn is Christmas all year long, and I'm Christmas mm. when it's supposed to be Christmas. So that's the only <laughs> difference. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Well, I also noticed that you have a couple other projects on your IMDb. Is there anything that you can share with us about either of them or both of them? Um, let's see. One of them would be. Um... Is it se- uh, Second Sunrise? Is that, is that yeah, of Second Sunrise and Symphoria. Oh, yeah. Well, there's a, Second Sunrise is in pre-production. Uh, that's a, uh, a project that's spearheaded by uh, Janelle Merrill, who played my sister, Bonnie Redbow, in the great uh, Pow Wow Highway movie. Um, we've been friends. Even before then, we were friends. I think she... I did a show called Roughnecks with her even before that. But she's a real good friend of mine and a, and a, um, a real uh, active member of the um, 
American Indian community as pertains to movies uh, and as a member of the Academy at large. And that's her project um, that she's working on. And I have a, I have a, a part in that as a, as a um, sagacious old guy who's kind of coming undone, but has a lot of good things to say before he leaves. So that's, we're still developing that. And then Symphoria is in post-production where I play it, um, a problematic guy, like a, a father who, a father that you wouldn't want to have. And, uh, and you know, that's, I'm not sure when that's going to be finished with the editing process and the scoring and such, but they're, they're really different. And, um, and I think, uh, I think both of them will be worth, uh, worth the people's while when they, when they um, actually make it into the marketplace. I got well, a couple of gigs play. too on soap operas. I got, I should say, I got a, a character. Uh, I have characters, I think, in in like at least four shows that were sent to like prison or sent to exile, but were not killed. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever I'm like thinking, well, what's gonna what's gonna show up in the next couple of months to like you know make everything okay? I think, well, maybe I'll get a call from Days of Our Lives or General Hospital or um, Queen of the South. All these shows where I've got a character who was uh, moved off the canvas but was not actually permanently dispatched. I always like hold on to that as a as the possibility of work down the road. And that's never a bad problem to have, you know. There you go. <laughs> well, before before we wrap up our interview with you, we always like to play a little game with our guests called the Five Question Lightning Round. And this, in being a Christmas show, is all Christmas related. Um, mm. And so, the five questions there are no wrong answers, and just whatever the first thing that comes to mind. Um, okay. So, the first question is: What's your favorite Christmas tradition? To watch It's a Wonderful Life on television. My favorite mm. movie. Mm-hmm. Mine too. Your yeah. favorite Christmas song? Um, Amy Grant, um, the song about uh, uh, Mary, or what is the name of that song? Mary. Mary, uh, did you know? Mary, did you know? No, no, no. Um, oh my gosh. Uh, uh, David Foster produced that record. Um, Oh, I can't believe I'm going to whiff on the name of that song. Is it's, it uh, uh, a grown-up grown up Christmas list? No, it's a it's a ballad about um, Mary expressing her doubts of, uh, that that she was chosen, that it couldn't be right that she was chosen. Oh, I'm going to I'm never going to forgive myself and forget this. <laughs> it's Amy Grant's Christmas record, and it's it's on that same r- record. Um, it's I think it's the fourth cut. Um, and I'm not going to be able to say the name of it. I can't remember it. Well, it, do you remember all the words? I mean, if you start singing it, maybe you'll remember the the title. Um, Look, I'm just getting you to sing here. I'm utterly blanking on it. This is so terrible. Um, you know. But it, I may be. Th- no, oh, no, no, no. It's Breath of Heaven. I apologize. Breath of Heaven, thank you. Breath of Heaven. It's Breath of Heaven. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And um, which that song and Mary, did you know, are they're 
somewhat similar in the content of the song. So it's like, you know, that was the first name that came to mind. And totally I blanked on Breath of Heaven. But, yep, that's it. She does a phenomenal job on that. It's a beautiful yeah, song. song. Yeah, that's, that song is, that's one of those things that, uh, that I, I actually have to really focus myself in uh, sort of, you know, silly this time, but it's why I'm an actor probably. I, I get, that, that song is so deeply moving to me that I literally can barely sing it. And it's a, trans, it's a tradition in our family. It's like we're driving north to where my parents' home would be. You know, we're singing that song together, all of us in the, in the car, and, uh, or just standing around the kitchen singing it. And I literally, actually half the time I try to sing a song, I just can't make it through because it, 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 it just breaks me up. It's just so exquisitely beautiful. Oh, like, no, it, it gets me every time, too. Um, it's just one of those songs that just resonates with you in such a way you don't forget it. And, yes, um well, the next question in the round, you answered in the first question, which was favorite Christmas movie. So I'm going to kind of change it up a little bit and ask, mm. Frosty or Rudolph? Rudolph. Okay. Um, hot toddy or hot chocolate? Hot chocolate. And last but not least, white lights or colored lights? White lights. Very good. And that concludes our five question lightning round. Thank you for playing along. Yeah, that was a good question. We always like to hear everybody's answer because we think to ourselves, Yeah, that's mine too or oh, I gotta watch that or you know, I gotta listen to that and, and that Amy Grant song I have not heard, so I'm gonna have to go back and listen to that. As well oh. as your as your music, I'm gonna have to search that out. And uh, and check it out because I do love that type of music, the uh, the country rock type of music. It combines two genres that uh, I absolutely love. So, um, thank you so much for joining us. I mean, we had so much fun with you, and we look forward to your movie. And we would welcome you back anytime when you have your new projects to talk about. Okay. Well, thank you so much. It was really great talking to you guys too. It was like this was really a fun one, and I appreciate you letting me lend my mouth to the degree that I did today. I know I get kind of long-winded sometimes. Oh, we appreciate that. (laughs) We (laughs) we thoroughly enjoyed it. Yes, definitely. Well, you have a wonderful holiday with your family. Okay, you guys too. I hope you have a lovely uh, Christmas, and I hope it opens into a wonderful next year. Thank you so oh, much. Oh, thanks so much. Okay. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Take care. Hey, guys. Don't leave us yet. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Christmas Movies. That's X-M-A-S-M-U-V-I-E-S. And also like our Facebook page at Christmas Movie Spotlight. Don't forget that's spelled M-U-V-I-E-S. And follow us on Instagram at Christmas Movie Spotlight. And don't forget to check out our website, ChristmasMovieSpotlight.com. That's movies with M-U-V-I-E-S, ChristmasMovieSpotlight.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week. <laughs>